Hello and welcome to episode 8 of season 10 of the Euphoria podcast. I'm Draco, joined by Cadrill. Our special guest today, none other than Misfits 80 Carry Neon, coming off the back of a hot 2-0 week. How's, how's life in the Misfits house? I imagine morale is pretty good right now. I can't complain to life. I, I think it's, I think we're doing pretty good and yeah, it's nice. Definitely like was a solid week of performances. Reminder, we're available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening if you want to transition. Um, Cage, I'll be honest. I, I don't think either of us were on the Misfits hype train about like two no. weeks ago. Both of us were, were, were skeptics. Yeah. Because a lot of the a lot of your guys' wins just in the early starts of the split, you either weren't winning or you were just making miraculous comebacks, you know, against Mad Lions when they're diving on tier two when the game's lost. But then Zanzara came in and ever since he's joined, you're four zero, I think, right? You're undefeated. It feels like it's a Zanzara meta. A lot of his champs look he looks like very comfortable in them. And Schlatan looked more of like a I need resources, I'll play a carry jungle playstyle, whereas Zanzara just seems to be like, what do you need? I'll do it. Oh, you need me to sack all my camps to make sure you crash, crash your wave? Yeah, I'll do it, buddy. Is that the kind of vibe he brings to the team? That is exactly the kind of vibe. I mean, honestly, we're kind of lucky that uh, this opportunity was presented to us, that we could have Zanzara come in, if that makes sense. Hmm. Simply because, like, in the current meta, his champs are, like, the best yeah. in the jungle, and it's just kind of hard to draft around because you can't just ban his champs because then we get like what you get like when you get like yumi so like you're kind of forced to give him his champs as well you know because otherwise the draft will be too bad for you so you might as well still lose so and his play style it's like really team oriented like he's a heavy team player which is something that apparently fits us very well yeah and i mean it makes sense uh we were talking backstage it's obviously very nice for you and vto when you have a guy who's like I'll rock up. I'll be there. I'll stand I've in this been potion. There. I've I will, been there. I will stand there and I will look menacing. You yeah. know, like I, I'm, those camps can wait. I don't need money. I don't Dude, need gold. I'm, I'm here for the homies. I've been there. It was, I think, season uh, 10 when it was like a set volley bear meta just before it became a carry jungle meta where it's like you do three camps. You just like dive bot. If you die, it doesn't matter. As long as the enemy AD carry dies, that's all that matters because your AD carry just needs to get ahead. Those are the kind of metas I live for because I just feel like <laughs> power farming is boring. Unless you're like Canyon versus Peanut and you're mm -hmm. playing like Nidley in a game five and you're like six levels up in three minutes yeah. because you're just like fisting him so hard. Unless we go to literally any other region but EU in that meta where they're still playing Nidalee and we're over here just playing set, praying to God that they like won't just obliterate us. When we go. Yeah. But I, I miss set meta too. It was a, yeah, it was an, it was an aggro meta. It no, I, I saw an interview um, from Freddy. It's actually on the front page ready right now, going a slightly off topic right now. Um, he said, quote, a lot of EU teams just pick scaling and hope. This doesn't improve the region whatsoever. For the region to actually improve, a lot of teams need to start picking a lot more early game comps. If you can't play early game, then you just can't play internationally. And I feel like that discussion we just had kind of sums it up. Because you look at G2 and MSI, Early game needs to improve. Then you come to the LEC, early game looks weak. Early game just seems like everything right now for teams. Sure. I mean, Neon, how do you feel right. about the statement? That, uh... Actually, I've seen a statement yesterday and I've given it my thought. And my thought is this, right? So in LCK and LPL, you play best of trees. You're, mm -hmm. you're more prone to experiment. You're more prone to try and play early game mm -hmm. because you might lose a game. You can still bring it back. But in EU, it's best of ones. It's like every game matters a lot when it comes to standings. So... To me, it makes more sense that players want to pick more of their comfort, more to play more for scaling, want to be on the safer side of things. Yeah. Simply because that one win 
is just like so much more important than like losing one game in the best of three series and still being able to win the series despite True. i mean while yeah. being the better team right well yeah and i mean the thing is is it's it's easy to be like oh hey if we want to be better for international competition we need to do this but it's like normally we send three teams sometimes we send one team if it's msi you know we got four teams this time around it's like a lot of teams out here just are just like happy like they're barely making playoffs and you're out here like to be better for worlds we have to play early game it's yeah. like nah bro i'll take like give you, me that you get good enough that you can beat my late game and i'll stop playing late game homie <laughs> like like what, what do you what do you want from me they like, just want their bo1 win doses just to get it there i mean it makes sense uh, it makes sense i mean you got to pick up bo1s in the regular season i think you're completely right in saying like why risk it you know why risk yeah. playing uh, an early game comp you know you think back to Damon games where they play like Rennington Nidley and then they lose a game because they're 5k up but then they make one mistake in GG but then in the, you draft a comp where you don't have to make mistakes you know Astralis does it all the time just pick scaling yep. losing lanes team fight and hope the enemy team can end the game and if they can't then free win that, for us you know what yeah Bro. I mean I mean okay guys like come on like like Rogue is welcome to play early game they're welcome to do it but they know themselves that if they do that and they make one mistake boom it's it's a loss right yeah so they learned it versus you we just yeah. talked about it renata yeah. ultimate very powerful <laughs> that was like the day where everyone was like oh maybe renata is just like the best support oh dude yeah rogues on a on a slump they're on a it's a roughy dude i think they in their last five games they're one and four yeah they had the um, way they won one game last weekend and then they lost the follow-up game which was rough maorang was having a rough couple weeks and now it feels like it's more than just maorang i don't know it's difficult week seven was was a bit odd how do you how do you feel about rogue i feel like they're they're a team that a lot of people just get really comfortable looking at them in one way they're the best of one team they're the uh you know when they had inspired they were kind of the inspired team now they're like the maorang psycho gank every lane team um what do you think about rogue i mean still despite their like latest results i still think they're one of our best teams um simply because like the amount of experience and like solidness they have on their roster i i, I just can't see like them not going to worlds and not being like one of the better U teams, right? Even though they're in a slump right now, I feel like if anyone is to make it back from a slump, it should be them. I mean, I've worked with Donamne before. I've been on Shaki with him. Mm. I've been in a slump with him, and I know that from my personal experience, this guy um, is quite good in this situation. So I, I, I have confidence in Rogue to make it back. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at their last four or five games. I think they're exper experimenting a lot with early game drafts. Like mm. they, their last game against SK, they played Pantheon Talia, which is like the LPL was dabbling in it a little bit. Uh, but the problem is they're playing like these double globals against LeBlanc and and Shyvana. And it got to a point in the game where they actually had no options at all on any point on the map. I mean, um, yeah, they just like, they got literally no early mid. That that game was rough. They got mm. no value out of the Pantheon Talia roaming at six. They got no value out of the Pantheon pre-six. That was just... That game is that game was rough for a lot of reasons. Like that game went wrong well before uh, LeBlanc and Shivana yeah, started taking yeah. off. I love that draft's questionable because then they played a severe Ash lane, but they couldn't actually play around it because I don't know if you saw the game, but SK was yeah. doing really well at like swapping their bot lane to mismatch mm -hmm. all the time out of lane. Uh, then they played a game against you where they picked like Vi into your Poppy, uh, which just looked really useless. They couldn't actually play. They they banned like Scarn or Trundle. Yeah, that was quite they, that was quite weird. I thought. Then they gave you Poppy anyway, so the draft was also weird. Then they drafted like a Telia lane with a Philios Lulu bot against like Severe Bard Ari, and they couldn't actually do anything, and they were just oh, constantly yeah. being proactive. Enemy team was being proactive against them. So then they picked Sejuani into Trundle into Tom Kench Volibear. No, they played. Volibear Sejuani into Tamkench. That was, Tom uh, Kench the was a the G2 game. Tamkench 
It was Tomkins Hypercarry Bottom. It was a Tomkins affiliate. Uh, affiliate, yeah. yeah. So the, a lot of their drafts, there's just like one part of it that doesn't make sense. Either you're playing like this single target damage engage into a Tomkins, you're playing a global with like both losing sides and no engage. Um, in the case uh, against you guys, you're playing like a Vi jungle when they banned two and gave you Poppy anyway. Uh, against SK, you're playing double global versus a 1 3 1, which can escape it. So I don't want to pinpoint draft as the only reason that they're losing, but like Larson 0 3 on Talia and these drafts just have so many holes in them that they, the win conditions become so slim if you don't get ahead. Yeah, I feel like there's drafting for early game and there's like not so good drafting and it just feels like rogue or not so good drafting because i think there's so many compositions where you're like oh if we just get ahead early game like we're supposed to then like this weakness or this like clear flaw in our composition just doesn't matter and mm-hmm. i don't know maybe that's the logic that they're bringing because i some of this stuff is very suspect i think it definitely started around the time that they just gave you guys um poppy it was like not only was it like Xanzar's first game on stage, it just like gave you Poppy for free. And yeah. then they played the buy into it, which we've seen. You know, other, I mean, other people <laughs> like playing it. But like he was out cleared in like the first I mean, three not, minutes. Not only did they give us Poppy, I think they also banned like the junglers that are good into they Poppy. They banned Trundle Skarner, and then they Trundle. gave you Poppy. Yeah, apparently Skarner is like also like into Poppy. Even though I haven't seen it, I've heard that it's like a good matchup for Skarner. Yeah. You can so yeah, like was, basically input buffer. That the was R. a little bit, yeah, that was a little bit weird. And also like at the importance of draft. Like right now, you kind of feels like you draft better, you win in a best of one. Like that's mm-hmm. just kind of how it feels because after the durability changes, after like TP changes, like the game is like kind of so predictable right now mm-hmm. that like just having the better drafts sets you up so much for success. Like the early game options have been like greatly eliminated because let's say you play something where you want to look for dives, you need to be really clean to win the game. Otherwise... Yeah. Yours not because if if you want to dive, you need to pick something like what like Renekton, like an aggressive jungler, you know. Yeah. But then you're like, you die once, you lose one team fight, the game is over because there's bounties, there's there's just so many comebacks, me- comeback mechanisms that yeah. like you're putting yourself at such a high risk in a best of one scenario where that if you make a mistake, you just lose. So that's why I think also like so many teams in you just offer those like heavily team fighting comps scaling yeah. comps mm. and that's what we've been doing in misfits since day one and i mean yeah that's worked like, out for us and, then, and that's the thing that i think is cool about tracking specifically misfits progress is that you guys started off kind of like you lost a lot of early games but you were clearly drafting for late game team fighting but now you're not you're getting compositions where you can still team fight but you're also winning your early games and like that's the development curve that i've been like really enjoying watch is that it's like you're keeping what made you strong before which was you're good on you were good at team fighting compositions like you were genuinely good at obviously you also drafted for it which is another the other half of the puzzle but now you're getting you're less like it's not orn every game so you're less heavily drafting for team fighting let's say um and it's not like orn aphelios right obviously xeris cracked still but uh not quite as much of like the hyperscaling um and you're still you're still getting the late game impact but you're also early game getting cleaner so i think that's been cool to watch how do you how do you approach best of fives then because if best of one is all good and dandy to pick like scaling and picking team fight and stuff when you approach playoffs best of fives, the scrims change where it's like, okay, we need to add one or two more styles to our team so we can actually play an early game comp in case we need to in game one. Yeah, so like the whole structure of your practice should change uh, heading up to a best of fives because if you're playing best of ones, right, like the only objective that you have throughout the whole week is to just practice one way of drafting, you know, mm-hmm. because that's just it. But in a best of five, you need to be able to adapt because mm-hmm. you will lose with one of your strategies what you got next. You know, if you don't have anything ready, then you're just not gonna make it and that's and that's uh when it becomes really spicy and like yeah you 
might be a good team in a best of one, but in a best of five, as unfortunately we've seen with ourselves in Spring Split, mm -hmm. you might just crumble because you don't have this kind of adaptability. And that's what kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say worries, but like it's like an area of uncertainty, uncertainty for me now. Uncertainty. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uncertainty. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, is that sure we're looking quite good right now, but if you go to the best of five stage, like, are we going to be this time able to like, yeah be able to adapt you know I, I mean it's natural when you've like you did it before and it was an issue before until you actually see it and prove it to yourself that it's like good i think it's natural to be like uncertain in that context mm. um taking back and kind of focusing in again on week seven because while you guys are feeling pretty cozy at this moment for playoffs and a lot of teams are around you as well we have basically this fist fight between three <laughs> teams fighting for a single spot it's uh astralis fanatic and xl and i want to take a little bit of time to talk about astralis because i feel like I feel like we're we're never impressed by Astralis. I feel like we're like we I feel like we have labeled them as like they sit back, they lose early game, they scale, they like team fight and win. And I'm curious if if that's fair from your perspective, Neon, that like overall assessment, or we're like, are we not giving them enough credit? Like, how are Astralis tied for sixth right now? With Fnatic Excel. With Fnatic and Excel, despite the fact that like everyone who talks about them has like no nice things to say about this team. Like, what are they uh -huh. doing well? What are they doing right? Well, what they're doing well is, okay, so they put their top lane on a tank. That's uh, step number one. Got put, it. Put Vizichachi on a tank. First pick Orin. Uh, step then one. jungle picks Wukong or Viego. Got it. Yep, that's the second. And then you let your support, who's, I think, quite good, yeah. uh, counter pick and have something spice ready. And hopefully that hopefully he can, you know, do do some nice stuff. M in make this some magic. Pick. Yeah, make some magic. Yeah, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because you, you would think that maybe it was like an early split narrative or or identity that they had you know they they fall behind they make these incredible comebacks that's how they're picking up these wins for, uh, you know against excel or whatever they were down 10k and a huge throw and they, they come back but their their game against vitality on the saturday they were down i'm looking here 7.5k gold <laughs> and they lost the baron fight they got aced and they lost nash the game was over and then perks akali questionable in team fights a little bit after that point uh i think they just like grouped up and ran into them like four times and astralis just won like two or three fights in a row and the game was over and they won so it's it's still there you know you look at their latest game they're still losing early games and they're still coming back in late games uh, and i think neon's right it's step one you even already see them on blue side first picking orn I, i've not seen a single team in the world first pick orn other than astralis so, Since G2 playoff run where they just first picked like basically just Ram, 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 Orange Arvin Rakan every Jarvan game. Ari, Orange Arvin yeah, Ari. Every game. 12-0, baby. Yeah. No, one, no one learned. Damn. Miracle run it. So um, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment as well. Um, but it is impressive to think that like, you know, when you look at like the, the ideas and the identities of other teams around them, XL especially have been like this, oh, Korean boot camp, they're so good. First place in the first three weeks, they're going to make playoffs. And now they're tied with Astralis in seventh, uh, sixth, right? Yeah. Uh, and Fnatic have had their slump. There, I, was a, there was a Fnatic is back, but they only beat SK and BDS, I think. And then they yep. lost again. So Fnatic Bro, I, just on the Astralis thing, I think, shout out to John Kuhn, because I think this is so funny. I, I feel like teams are giving this man so much respect that they're like psyching themselves out and pick ban. Like he literally got pike barred, double banned in second phase versus Vitality. They have like the most hyper mobile, like don't give a f about bard composition I've ever seen in my life, and they're out here like, nah, man, this guy's bard is on another level. Like we're we're like gonna be in trouble. Yeah, they I mean, we kind of did the same when we played against him. We banned <laughs> like uh, we banned bard and we banned I think uh, time Kench, yeah, yeah. And I mean, this guy's 
still wanted his like spicy pick, so he ended up looking in bike against Leona, which is not the greatest. Yeah, mm. yeah. But so, would you, if you, let, let's say your vitality, I won't tell you their whole draft because it'll be too many, too many nuances. But if you see a Twitch picked on blue side and you're going into four five with bands, is Pike a really good band when you're playing a Zeri lane? You know, Twitch Pike is that something to be scared of because they gave them Renata anyway. I mean, when you're playing Twitch into Zeri, yeah, uh, it's like you have a lot of opportunity to all in. And Zeri is very weak in lane. So I think picking Pike in that sense kind of makes uh, sense because mm. uh, you already have so much freedom. So if you pick Pike, you're guaranteed to be winning bot mm -hmm. and you're guaranteed to have the opportunity to influence other lanes and play for her already. So I, I can understand the Pike ban there, you know. Mm. Uh, they had Renata as well? Uh, they had... no. So they banned Pike, Bard, they and picked yeah. Twitch got Rakan, Renata. And then enemy just got Renata. Oh, okay. Well, that's not very good either. That's the problem. Yeah. Is I think that in that context, and I'm sure that the, the whoever was making this decision in draft will have their own context. I think it's just rough when you get so tunneled on the pocket picks that you forget the like. Yeah, what, me, is, what is actually good and what, what like is the it? universal S tier, right? It's like yeah, like yeah, his pike and his bard are scary, but like Renata's still just turbo it's broken. So no, broken. yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think Bart uh, Twitch is that good of a combination. I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't I don't think they want to do the same thing as a bot lane duo. No. <laughs> the sarcasm in your voice, bro. I, 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 and I'm a big like the thing is is I love the edgy boy bot lane picks. I have like I spent a decent amount of time one tricking both Pike and Bart. So I'm all I'm down for people to see it. But the funniest thing about it is like people are just so like I think when people don't 100 percent know like what a champ does or they think someone's really good on it they just like assume it's always good which mm. is just like absolutely I mean, not the case honestly you know how there's like this narrative like okay let's remove yumi yeah, yeah like for me it is remove yumi and remove pike and not because pike is a bad champ but simply because it's like this champion gives a lot of fake data it's like yeah. so so like Okay, the player has to be good, the situation has to be good, and he has to be lucky to make it work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, like, literally, we've seen every successful Pike game we've seen in Europe and from European Pike players internationally, like, truly good Pike game. It's the same level one cheese every time. It's Hail of Blades in the bush, hook level one, three autos, win the lane. You're Trade flashes, Hillisang. win the lane. <laughs> Hillisang did it, Targamus did it, and it's, it's like, I mean, Jonkut's had some more creative landing phases and things with the Glacial Augment too, but like most good pike games start with the, like someone falling for that exact same cheese. Mm. That's like the vast majority of the games. And I love it. And we're like, whoa, pike, I love it every time. It's dope. It's are, just... you, are you the are you the kind of AD carry where you're mentally like out of it when Blitzcrank's picked on the enemy team? <laughs> no, not at all, actually. That, that champ is quite useless. I've spoken so many AD carries <laughs> that when, when Blitzcrank gets locked in, they're mentally like... I mean, they honestly, it depends on what kind of comp you're running. If you have... If you have if you have a frontline or your jungler on support and enemy has blitzcrank, it's the most useless champ ever. But if you have like rain support and a carry jungler, okay, blitzcrank is really fucking yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, it it's a super situational one, situational pick. One hook, one one shot. I mean, I, yeah, I just feel like oh, no, I'm not about the blitzcrank life, bro. Give me a knot any day. I'd just rather have a nautilus. I know it's not the same, but functionally to me, it feels a lot. Depends on yeah. who the blitzcrank is. You know, if it's carry next to you, you know those hooks gonna be hidden. Yeah. Speaking of bot lane. Uh, we can use this as a transition to Excel because Neela got locked in. I don't know how much experience you have with Neela. I don't know what you guys have been scrimming. I don't want you to give anything away. But um, looked not good. Looked kind of mediocre. Yeah. Mid-aff, yeah. as the kids would say. All, All right. right. So I have my opinion on Neela. Uh -huh. I don't know how accurate this. That's just my sure, but that's educated what we're here guess. For. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think Neela is quite similar to Samira with her kit. Like mm -hmm. we, we all know this, right? Yep. Uh, but in her kit, she has amplified healing and shielding from her allies, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And she has low range. 
So she's in a weird spot where she wants to be able to all in because that's her kit, but yep. she also wants to be able to receive healing and shielding, right? Yep. And a lot of rain supports, they don't offer you all in. They just offer like standing back and healing and shielding you. And that's mm. not good because you want the all in, right? Yep. And there's one particular champion that stands out from like the others and it's Tarek. Yep. So I think Excel got a good combination. But even with Tarek, I'm not sure whether it's actually good bot lane duo combination because A, you're low range. Yep. B, you need to all in to fight. And if you're playing a champion that always needs to all in to fight, you need to be able to know its limits super well. Mm -hmm. And if you have a weak worth of practice, I don't think you're going to be able to get a good guess on how strong your champion actually is. So I think Excel low-key flipped it with Anila. They were like, okay, maybe it looked good in scrims because scrims often are way bloodier than official games. Yeah. And it looked good, right? But in an official game, uh, the enemy will not try to fight you because they don't know how strong you are or like they will not fight you because they're scared or something more respect and yeah. you will not get as fed and then you're like hold up can i actually can I actually fight now how strong am i now i don't have kills and uh, i don't know like personally i wouldn't be comfortable heading into last week and having mm -hmm. one week worth of practice with nila and mm -hmm. being like super confident locking it in so i guess props to patrick for like being like okay like yeah, just slam I, it you know like hope I mean, for the best i was hyped there was like a lot of little things i was trying to keep my eye on but i think the big thing that's that like the biggest separator I see in these champions is also the way that their W's work. So Samira has a wind wall, which is better in some situations worse. And she has this dodge with a little bit of reduced magic damage. Basically it's just Jaxi that she can pass to her allies without the stun at the end. And it's like, if there's like a TF on the enemy team, if you're really going to get value out of that in a way that's meaningful, but like most of the times Neela died, it's like, well, you're not blocking or reducing any damage from Jarvan EQR ever. That's not happening. All Silas's abilities, there's like a little bit of reduced magic damage. Mm -hmm. Siver Q, it's not getting reduced. Yeah, you're blocking autos, but like, how much does that matter when the enemy team can kill you with a, like a full rotation of spells um, without ever having to auto attack you? So that was like the one, one of the things that I noticed is like in theory, that ability is like so massively impactful, but I think only when it's like really meaningful against enemy champions. My dream is like enemy has, this is my, it's my brainstorming. If there's like an Aphelios and a TF on the enemy team and you mm -hmm. lock this champion in, I think this champion might be busted. And a Leona yeah. or a Nautilus. Yeah. You can block Leona Just Q. get it, can block, block the thing. Yeah, just like, yeah. you have true. to be able to block, because otherwise I'm just like, Samira just feels better to me. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? and especially like G2's draft into it felt quite difficult for Patrick to actually kill them because they're playing like Sejuani, Jarvan, Silas with a Lulu, Lulu behind them. So they want to go into you as well, yeah. but you want to go into them. And you you're... go into them, you still get knocked up by the Lulu, you still get W'd by the Lulu, the yeah. or the, the Neela. And then like, Neela doesn't like, do that much up front it's not like samira where you just hit your s rank and you immediately start spinning on kids like you need time to do damage i mean that's what i mean right like if you had actually had a good idea on uh like the strengths and weaknesses of nila you probably wouldn't want to play against champions like lulu right mm -hmm. but i feel like what patrick was doing he was like wandering into the unknown territory with that mm. pick and i mean they banned rakan Janna, so it seems like they were aware that that was like potentially an <clears throat> issue and maybe they just didn't have enough bans to shut down every option yeah hold up they, did they pick neil on first three they picked neil on first three yeah oh yeah okay they I mean, Tarek two three on I, I feel like neil is a champ where you like kind of want to see exactly the type of comp that you're going to be playing against yeah. before you lock it in Hmm. I agree. Feels similar. I think that very similar to Samir in that regard. Yeah, uh, where it's like very strong, but in a very, very limited circumstance. I also think if you swap top sides, it makes more sense. Like if you have a Nila Tarek with Silas Jarvan Sejuani, it makes it more one dimensional in the way you're playing fights. But with LeBlanc Viego, it just feels a bit underwhelming when you go in. Uh, maybe Viego yeah. wants a reset, but uh, it's anyway. Really, it's really rough. I really just think her, the, the biggest issue is that Samira Windwall is just like so much more valuable uh, yeah. generally. 
Whereas like Neela Dodge is obviously really off can often be more significant in the one v one. I mean, also, she- I feel like Neela is a way weaker Samira right now. Like I feel like Samira is Samira is in a really good spot, and it's yeah. like I think Unforgiven has played it, and it looked really well. Yeah. And Bow in solo queue. The Smurf done with it, Samira, and I'm like, hold up, this champ is kind of happy. Yeah, Samira Nautilus, just all in on it's, every other yeah. way. Release, the only thing I feel like this release of Neela does and seeing her on stage is just, yeah, it's exactly that. Just remind <laughs> people how good Samira is. They're like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. maybe we should try Samira and Scrims. I, I really wonder how it's going to be, like, balanceable, Nina. Um, I, mean, I feel like she's either going to all in and does too much damage, or she can never really all in. But, like, you were saying, I think your assessment on, like, support champs makes a lot of sense. Like, the only one that wants to go in with shields is... Taric? She's just niche. I just think it's her kit's just a little bit weird because it's like they want her to be a bot laner, just like Samira. So they gave her Samira has the knockup auto thing or whatever the extending knockups yeah. with her autos. Neela has this all this extra healing shielding, this experience share. Uh, the fact that she can pass the dodge to her allies is like really potentially very strong, but it's like so hard to get value out of. So it wouldn't surprise me if they like take out some of the let's say more bot lane focused parts of her kit and put that power elsewhere because maybe solo laner. Not as a solo laner, but like I would rather the W last longer than be able to pass it to allies more often than not because I don't need to keep my damn Tarek alive. If my Tarek dies, who cares? I need to live longer. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like that's the that's the problem yeah. that I see. Like Windwall can protect your entire team. It can stop an Orn ultimate. It just feels so much like such a way more it impactful feels, ability. Yeah, it feels a lot better. I don't know. We'll see what happens mm-hmm. with it. But that's interesting. I mean, any other thoughts on Excel past past that game? What do you th- are, are are they the clear front runner? To make it in, all of these teams I mean, it, are kind of uh, a little bit messy right now. It's it's like Cell against Fnatic, right? Most yeah. likely yeah. for making it for yeah. the last and spot. For context, XL will play Rogue, SK, and Astralis. Fnatic will play Astralis, Vitality, and Misfits. You guys. Ooh, okay, that's so kind of spicy. XL, quote unquote, theoretically easier schedule because they have Astralis, SK. Um, but yeah, it's between those two, I think, right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. My. Honestly, my vote probably goes out to Excel mm-hmm. simply because I think in their current state, I think Fnatic has like a lot more like clear and obvious flaws or like ways to beat them. Yeah. And I mean, even though Excel's Korea buff has expired, I still think they can they can pull it through. Yeah. Do you want to? You have to play Fnatic this coming week, but do you want to talk a little bit about Fnatic's flaws? Because I mean, we can at least start by talking about All the G right. two game, which was. Um, this is going to be published before our game, I assume. Yeah, it is. So oh, you can okay. you can keep you can keep some of the thoughts to yourself. <laughs> we can just talk about the game. Um, yeah, it's probably my best intention to just keep my mouth shut. We'll on these say things. we'll say what we think, and then you can comment on our stuff as much as because again, I don't want you to give away any yeah, of the any yeah. secret sauce here. But G two game, bit of a hot mess. Um, I was impressed on the G2 side, credit to Flackid, just raw picking the Draven. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I was really surprised when Fnatic were just like, okay, we'll take Ezreal. Yeah. I was like, that really uh, threw actually, me. Actually, before we continue, can I, I just want to ask Neon here. Um, so let's say you're Fnatic, okay? And G2 is blue is red side, and they just 1-2 slam Draven. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to check here what the bans were. I think Kalista was banned. Kalista was banned. So Kalista is the only champ that's banned in bot lane. Yeah. They just 1-2 blind Draven. What do you think are not to give anything away or anything but best options for what would you say is two three for for blue side ad carry or bot lane um because what what fnatic did is they just took the ezreal and they said okay i think personally i think up. i think taking the ezreal on two three is mm. really bad because on two three you want to get like power picks right yeah and if you pick ezreal who's like losing into the draven you're not really getting yourself a power pick you're just picking yourself a losing bot lane and then the power picks that are like left open that you should have been grabbing for like let's say your 
top mid jungle are going to get banned out on 4 or 5, right? Yeah. So in this case, three, uh, Wonders, Gragas, and Shivana. Yeah. So what I would do, in my opinion, I think Draven is really strong right now. I think he has no like clear counter. Mm -hmm. And most likely, if you pick Draven in like the first phase, you're most likely not going to get counterpicked. You're most likely going to have a winning lane. So if I pick Draven, I want to drop my bot lane, get the power picks on my top mid jungle, and then just get something that's fine into Draven. And there's like a lot of lanes that are fine. None of them will be winning, but they're fine. But if you look in Ezreal on that 2-3, I think it's really bad from a drafting perspective because then you're going to end up with what? Jarvan top lane? I think that's what they ended up with, yeah. right? And you had Ezreal Rakan, yep. which is like, you're, you're so primed to get, to let Draven free farm, get like 100... 200-ish stacks, then get Dove, get executed with his R, and the game is over. And that's what kind of happened, right? Yeah. It's so like, to me, from a drafting perspective, it it just doesn't feel right, and I would never do this, personally. Mm, just like, focus I, top side. If I, if I want to pick my Ezreal, like, they should never ban Ezreal, because Ezreal doesn't really counter Draven. I mean, it's like, fine pick into it, but it doesn't counter it, right? There's, like, a lot of fine picks. So, if I'm botlane there, I always want to go 4 or 5 and pick later. Let okay. my team pick their good champs that yeah. are probably left, uh, left open, right? Because if you pick Draven, you won't be able to answer either jungle, mid, or top, yeah, mm -hmm. and then at least that lane can get a really good matchup when you already have a losing bot lane because of the Draven pick. I mean, speaking of um, Samira, potentially a good time. Obviously, can just eat the axes when he throws out the axes. <laughs> Not a terrible mashup. Obviously, you do get a little bit blast in some of the. I mean, trades. okay, I don't think a lot of people will opt out for the Samira Draven matchup because it's like so explosive. <laughs> One kill will decide the game, yeah. right? And I don't think a lot of teams want that. And I, <laughs> one of these teams has an exhaust ignite. Uh, Rakan, maybe in a BO3. Yeah, in the best of three, maybe. Just bust um, on Smirlin. No, this game was miserable for Fnatic. Um, obviously, uh, credit to G2 for making a lot of these early kills happen, but then Fnatic, Fnatic did the thing where they sacked top and Wonder came bot for a gank. Yeah. Hillisang then went in early and died, giving Draven all of his stacks, and then they killed the Draven. So oh, it was really? like literally. The most miserable early game. They throw uh, everything they have to bail it out. Hilly goes in, gives the man his, his 200 extra gold cash out, and yeah. then they finally kill but the Draven. The worst part for me in this game was the early gank from Yanko's top side onto Humanoid, where he literally pinks the bush with Humanoid's ward in it. So yeah. he sees that Yankos is basically there. And then he gets ganked from there two seconds later and dies to the gank, and they get they get uh, yeah, came on. Was okay, he okay, out okay. of mana there? What Untaps. happened there? Okay, so sometimes this is like... This is like a really troll thing, but sometimes, okay, listen. Sometimes you see that someone pings your ward, right? Yeah. And you're like, you're like assuming that since they know that you had the ward, they're gonna back off instantly, you know? And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like your ego being like, okay, this mm -hmm. guy won't gank me now. He knows I'm not stupid. He knows I'm not gankable here. So you like walk up and you get ganked, and you're like, wait, I'm actually. It's a, it's a bluffing game. Yeah, it's almost exactly. like a game of yeah, poker exactly. where it's like, I know that you know it's warded. So are but you gonna therefore, go for it? are you gonna gank me because I know you're there? Yeah, and then and then you have to be like, okay, so if this guy doesn't know where my jungler is and I'm playing like this, is he gonna go for the gank? Mm. You know, so yeah. who knows what really went on in here? Yeah, and there. I think technically he was playing, but to the bottom side of the lane enough that if he he messed up the QE or he didn't have enough mana. I for think the he QE. didn't have any soldiers left, so he had to like flash over caps to then dash to a soldier after he already used it. But I think he kind um, of did it in a weird way. But he, well. he, bought, way. he either botched it or didn't have enough mana to do it properly or didn't have enough soldiers. We can watch back to play it. But and but he messed it up. And it was like, because you could tell that he messed it up because it was like random, really sloppy flash yeah. right yeah. after he, he biffed it because he just had to get out of the Pantheon W range. 
Um, but yeah, from that point onwards, G2's comp is just so like snowballing. Like Silas, Pantheon, uh, Draven, Sejuani, like the second you walk up and well, even try to contest the objective. And the Pantheon just... was also gets a successful gank off, remains ahead in XP. Razork is trying to catch up, but keeps getting called bot. Like that, that game broke apart so quickly. And kind of as you expect in a Draven Pantheon game, when you start to lose the early game, things are going to get worse fast. And Fnatic, credit to them, uh, you know, I like when teams try to fight their way out of a deficit, but obviously it just makes everything look that much worse when it so does backfire just just zooming backwards here so as he gets ganked he uses w forwards and he mm -hmm. gets ganked so what he does is he cues backwards yep and he wants to e to it but he can't e to it because caps in the way so he flashes over caps and then e's to it because he has no soldiers left so ideally oh, so if he like had a, a soldier stubby e. he would just flash w eq and he'd be out uh but his instant reaction when he saw yankos was just to throw his soldier behind him but then he couldn't dash to it uh, um so yeah sounds like it anyway. was calculated he just not, might not be very good at math that might be the uh, math gap <laughs> if only he had a soldier um so yeah that that's how the game played out but fanatic are looking it's a very very precarious situation do we have the standing yeah, yeah they're behind us. us it's a plot armor angle for fanatic right they now. need some plot armor buff it's it's a you are the old kings of europe narrative 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 um find a way to rally never miss playoffs blah blah blah. because like if i look at their gameplay it's doomed and but a lot changes in a one week of scrims that's the other thing that we have to say is that like a lot can yeah. change but if you are a without any bias just looking at their gameplay without their history behind them there's no way i think you can in good faith predict fanatic right now who's your prediction on excel or fanatic uh it's, it's, excel. it's on it's excel. excel yeah it's yeah i think it has to be yeah, the only worry I have for Excel, the last point uh, I was going to make about them, is if you look at their their match history, they're on a four-game losing streak, right? They just came off a loss against BDS, which in their minds should have been a win. They've lost games to Astralis this split. They've lost games to SK this split. They're dropping games because X, I think Excel is really inconsistent right now. The mm -hmm. first week, they went 4-1. and one. Uh, They went like 5-2. and two. But ever since then, it's all downhill. So as much as I feel like Excel has the easier schedule... It, their whole split has been just full of inconsistencies and losing to bottom tier teams. So I low key think Astralis can get it, and I don't think it's that boring <laughs> for a prediction. And it's not because they're like better of the three teams, but in the con they just like do not ego draft. They are not afraid to just take a back step. And if like Excel and Fnatic are both coming in, like we've broken the formula. Humanoid is your first pick. Blah blah blah. Every game and Excel are like, oh no, this is the week we make Nilo work. Astralis might just win on the merit of they're like they're not but, here to prove anything they're here I to mean, get wins any way possible and like the more we talk about both Fnatic and Excel the more I'm like yeah. Astralis might be the safest bet they literally play the both of those worlds. teams just saying I don't speak, like it speak of ego drafting didn't didn't Astralis play Vitality uh, after they played us and then like the, the Vitality team just like gives them exactly what they want which is like Orn yes and they just lose uh, like, yeah, that was the game of the Vitality. And to be fair, they really were far ahead. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> were, but like, it's still like you look at a team and you think of like, okay, what's their biggest strength? And like, to me, it's quite clear, right? Yep. And even if their biggest strength to me is like, okay, I can, I can shit, I can shit some your biggest strength. Like, I'll still like swallow it up and I'll like ban yeah. it, right? Yeah, you just mm. gotta ban it. Yeah, mm. I think, I think, it's, I think it's just kind of that simple. Yeah, I think their their draft was Orn, Silas, Twitch, Renata, Trundle that was Astralis' draft so it was I, I mean I think his, looking at them historically like that's exactly the type of comp that they want to play right like yeah. that's yeah. that's literally their, their style so if I play against a team which plays one style like I kind of want to yeah against you guys them, they right? played the opposite they played Nard, Draven, Pike right it's like yeah, I mean, night and day yeah. uh, because oh 
when you say when you start when mm. you say it, it's just the Orn band basically, right? It's like the one thing that you're <laughs> saying that they should have taken away. Maybe. I mean, there's no one that does it like Orn. Right? Orn is just a nasty champion. Because so much. Um, Draven items. Cobby built Kraken Slayer that game, and I was like, this looks grief to me. Now we also saw Gale Force from Flacid. Uh, mostly we see Eclipse, but what is your thought on Draven itemization, real quick? Because we were debating right. this on desk. So uh, I'm not a Draven I one trick myself. I'm not a very pronounced Draven player either. However, though, I do talk to some Draven players, mm -hmm. and uh, what they told me is basically when I play Eclipse every game, because it just is the biggest power spike, the Eclipse item on its own is really good, and mm -hmm. it gives you like scaling and the early power that the Draven wants. Yep. So, uh, I mean, to me, Kraken Slayer, uh, when I look back at it, is not it. And I don't think Gale Force is necessarily it either, mm -hmm. but let's just say if you're really far ahead, like sometimes the items that you build don't matter that much. Yeah. And I mean, Gale Force is maybe a little bit of an underrated item, especially in a competitive game. Yeah. Uh, because like, let's say you build Gale Force in a solo queue game, right? Like there's a fight every 30 seconds, so mm -hmm. you don't always have it. But in competitive, on a competitive game, a lot of the times, the, the team fights are spaced apart. So that Gale Force item can actually be the game sa uh, saver sometimes. Yeah, I guess also, is it uh, is Gale Force a good tech? So for example, he was playing against Wukong, Jarvan, Rakan. This is uh, Gale Force Flacket, could yeah. be used for yeah, it's like it could be used for self peel as well, perhaps. I mean, okay, so Gale Force into Jarvan is like kind of tricky. Like if you're really good, you can Gale Force as Jarvan is ulting and get out of the Jarvan yeah. ulti, right? But into like a Wukong Rakan, I don't think it's gonna help you much, mm. right? Okay. That was my curiosity question. And then you build towards like IEBT, uh, full crit uh, Draven. When 10 and 1 was popping off. Um, yeah. Decisive game from G2 though. Yeah. And as a whole, maybe we can then talk about a little bit about Euphoria MVP. Whereas 2-0 teams this week, G2 Misfits. We have, in my eyes, four candidates. Let's talk about the G2 ones first and we can end on the Misfits one. Um, <laughs> Flacid Caps as an 80 carry. Flacid played Sivir this week. Big game. Uh, similarly, the Draven game obviously like smashed Fnatic bot lane multiple times. What are your thoughts on Flacket's performance? What are your thoughts on Flacket? I mean, I think it's quite good. I mean, I think we both smurfed this week, so it's going to be a hard one. It's true. There's like a notion around G2 uh, sometimes where it's like bot lane is quote-unquote their weakest role you know a lot of well, teams argue that they're strong a lot of teams argue that they're well, weak if you have a team where your top side is Yankos, broken blade and caps your bot side better beat the weakness of your team <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> i think that's a very good angle to look at it from because uh i think the word might not necessarily be that they're a weak lane or they're a weak bot lane but like the players around them are just so good mm. that it's hard not to look like the weakest of the team uh, because they're still phenomenal players Flacket and Targamas you know Targamas has shown he's like one of the best supports in Europe Flacket has shown how goddamn flexible this guy can be you put him on any role you want like whether it's a center lane Sion Yasuo like he can play anything he needs for his top side yeah I'm like not as that sold you know like I like Flacket I think he played well I still mm. think G2 look best when they play compositions that set him up to just play backline carries you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can say the Senna games are good, but a lot of those games weren't defined by the Senna. He's just, like, a product of other people's leads. Mm. So I think Flacket's good. I think you're right that his top side is so goaded that people are probably under giving him credit. But I'm not ready to call him, like, one of the great EU AD oh, no, carries. Um, he's definitely still growing into that role. I don't want to oversell um, Flacket or Targumus, but I also don't want to, like... Um, I don't want to, like... I don't want to... Yeah, I just don't want to oversell him. I don't want to take away their yeah. praise. They deserve praise. He had a great week. 
but I feel like people are like sometimes when we hear so much criticism for a player like my tendency is to overcompensate so I'm trying not to do that because I think people don't give enough flat credit to Blackett yes but he's also not like he's not there yet I think there's we're still waiting to see more from that bot lane because Targamus was great that Pike game at MSI wasn't that good. You know, like there's a lot of the moments that people are like, oh, G2 won the game. Targamus is the best in the world. And it's like, well, I mean, Targamus has a lot of great games, but every time G2 wins a game, it's not a great Targamus game. It's not a great Flacca game. Hmm. That's not what it means by default. Who would you say, very out of left field question, is like, the in your eyes, the strongest bot right now in the league? Because um, before we get into your MVP, no, sorry. Sure, sure. Um, like prior to spring, prior to summer, everyone's saying upset Hilly. And then after that, in the first couple of weeks, everyone was saying Patrick Mickey ever since they came back from Korea. Um, then Unforgiven Kaiser are now looking incredible in summer. Um, Comp and Trimby are now slumping a little bit. They've had their ups and downs. Their bot lane meta seems a bit off compared to each other. One another seem to have different ideas. Where do you lie? Not so much uh, a yeah. ranking, but like in maybe yeah. tier list of bot yeah, lanes. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily want to do a tier list. I think it's quite difficult and I would have to think about it a lot. Um, sure. What I'll, what I'll say though is like based on my score, like when I play the people in scrims and this is also taking into consideration their champion pools and how well they play on like different kinds of champions. Mm. Um, I would say the best bot lane pairings that we have right now would be Patrick Mickey and uh, Trimby Comp. Uh, I, I can't really say for sure who I think is better. I think they're, they both can play a big, big... Uh, pool of champions wide variety yeah yeah wide variety and i think both these bot lanes are like quite flexible and like mechanically like all these bot like both these bot lanes are very good on mm. both players so mm -hmm. um i think these two are the best and then the rest is just i think i would put uh the mad lions bot lane the fnatic bot lane Oh, wait, where's my teams? Where's your <laughs> team? Give us standings back, Phil. Uh, yeah, give, give us standings uh, We back. got G2 bot lane as well. Okay, so I, I, would, put, I would put G2 bot lane, uh, Vitality bot lane, us, Fnatic, into like the same pact. Okay. And then probably the other bot lines. Mm. Interesting. But uh, I mean, obviously, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I guess it all depends on like a lot of the tier lists and in, in like a, the a very. Yeah, I mean, this is just like how I feel about the bot lanes from just playing against them and yeah. how they perform, how consistent I mean, they are. I think yeah, I think we'll obviously see more in best of five. But I mean, I think that's a sentiment that we've heard a lot. A lot of people were talking uh, through the early season. We haven't checked in as much with pros over the course of this mid to late season that like Patrick and Mickey were really the force to be reckoned with. And I think a lot of people have, uh, for a long time, I think it was the upset Hill is saying like, ooh, they're the best bot lane. But it feels like in this season, they've maybe um, fallen a little bit in people's eyes or Excel have risen up, depending on how you want to frame it. And it's cool to hear Comp and Trimby in that discussion, because I think that like you'd see them perform well on stage, but they're not big flashy names which i mean is, i think what makes it so cool is like patrick the Mickey. thing is the thing is there's not really a bot lane this season that's like consistently flashy on stage like there's bot lanes that like some games they have a great game mm -hmm. and then the other game they're just in thing right yeah so i true. feel like i feel like it's hard to pick this this split honestly i, th I think it's very hard it to also pick. feels like a kind of bot centric meta now with like the way mid jungle is is drafted just for like roaming um top lane feels like you had you had this trifecta of like uh, Gangplank, uh, Gwen, and Nar, but with like certain nerfs to GP, he's kind of gone. Gwen seems to be pretty yeah, strong. Yeah, I think top lane meta right now is extremely straightforward to me. Like yeah. if I'm drafting top lane, okay, is Gwen is Gwen banned? If not, pick it. 
If it is, just pick Orn. Yeah. In my opinion. And then it's all bot lane. Uh, and then it's pretty bot centric, yes. Hmm. It, it's <sighs> it's crazy because we went to a bot centric meta with like Callista Draven. And then we went back to top a little bit with these three top laners, and now we're going back to bot and, lane. And event. maybe in this last week, people will just ban Callista Draven or pick scaling against it and just wait because Sivir's also mm. very good now, too, mm. right? And that's the thing that's like, I don't know. I don't mind the bot side, but also in general, I think to your point about bot lanes having in games, like the entire season, and part of the reason our standings look like they do right now is because we've gotten used now to having this like top five now that we've solidified it. But remember, for like four weeks of this split, it was. What was it? Yanko said, "Literally everyone is losing." Everyone is losing. Like the uh, middle of our season was a hot mess. It's normally at this point in the split. Now I might be wrong, but like by going into week eight, at least two or three teams are like safe locked. Maybe there's two or three teams fighting. No, for you're like right. I mean, usually fifth. it's like sometimes even four teams going yeah. into this point of the season. Usually we are not nearly this close. <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna be so. And to be <laughs> fair, like every team in the top five right now outside of mad who have already locked their spot ha- like are locking in ni- more than 90 percent of the remaining scenarios so that's very surely. likely our top five but it's just technically not there yet which is always a big red flag as we go forward surely that's it bringing it. us back yeah back to you for mvp we talked about flacket for g2 to the surprise of 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 no one the um potential candidate for misfits i think you go v2 or neon but i want to i i would you pick I know it's hard because you're like, you don't want to, if I let you choose who is the Misfits MVP for the week, maybe you're not the kind of guy that feel comfortable putting yourself up there. You I mean, put your okay, honestly, up. like I'm just going to do myself a favor and put myself up there for one week. Um, I Hell did, yeah. I think I did have quite a good week. I played Sivir against Raven, Pike. Um, I didn't play perfect, but I am quite like happy with my performance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I had that game against, what was it? Astralis. I thought we had a really good, uh, a really good, uh, some really good swaps with our bot lane, mm-hmm. and the game where I played Twitch, I also felt like I was having a lot of impact on like the outcome of the game. So I mean, uh, if if there's a week where I should uh, plug myself in, I think is this one. I'm inclined. The biggest thing for me is I think the two games that I would look at is it's not your Astralis game and it's not Flakid's Sivir game. Um, it would be his Draven game versus your Twitch game, and I think the big thing in your Twitch game was that. Um, yeah, you were everywhere. You were roaming into mid. You're making plays, and like don't get me wrong, twitching is very strong. But you were like you were everywhere. You're collapsing on side lanes. You were still doing your job in fights. It was kind of the you in um, VTO versus the world show with admittedly a cat strapped to one of you. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Mercer, where you don't get the glory when you're the Yumi player. Sorry, bro. It just it's never going to come your way uh, for that exactly. champion. I also think you've had incredible performances not only this week but last week as well uh, against Rogan SK. I think you played phenomenally. So I'm inclined to go with. Uh, yeah, but last week is this week's yeah, MVP. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But shit, my, my point is the momentum, you know? Yeah, like, the momentum. It's a consistent it trend, trend I, that is continuing. I like the Twitch because I think that oftentimes with AD carry, you're like a role player. You're not, you're just like, you show up, you do what you have to do in a team fight. Yeah, and like I mean, the Sivir games often look like that. And I think it was a similar story for for you and Flack in that capacity where Flack has like a million people on his front line. He's like, he's playing the fights well. He's getting the kills, don't get me wrong. But it's like, eh, that game like, whatever you're playing a death ball yeah it's 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 this twitch game that i think really stole it to me because not only did you do it versus mad and their bottling who have been looking good unforgiven and kaiser um why they gave you twitch yumi is beyond me but they did you know they wanted to take the challenge i mean honestly i have played against them in the past i have i remember screaming against them at twitch yumi and just like a, a little fun story so uh twitch yumi is a bot lane duo that i figured out that if the enemy doesn't know this, you will kill them level one. 
I have played against every LEC bot lane pretty much by now, and I have killed them level 1 with Tichiyomi. And uh, Mad Lions, if you guys look at the replay, level 1, they're hugging their tower. They're hacking their tower, they're losing XP because they know that I could kill them, right? Yeah. Is that and where you start a Q and Q well, pass you got the, you, you start, you got the you flash, start, right? You start, level 1, 2? Yeah, I got this flash level 1, too. You start Q on Twitch level 1, you start E on Yumi, and you just all in them because you have 3 combat summoners. And honestly, the first game of the split, I played against the Twitch Yumi. I was playing Zeri Nautilus, I was playing against Exile Botlane, and I was looking at the game afterwards and I was like, wait... They won't, they can just kill me. And ever since I've been doing it like every bot line, it was like kind of funny to see how they remember this moment <laughs> yeah. from the screens and they just like They were scarred. They were <laughs> yeah. scarred. It was engraved in their brain where and, they're like, they're just gonna kill us. And honestly, if I was really good this game, then I would have known that from scrims, these guys are not gonna walk up level one. And I would have known that they're gonna respect like this. Mm -hmm. And I would have just run mid lane instead level one. Know that the enemy bot lane will be hagging their tower and I would have just killed Niski. One, oh. one <laughs> step ahead. That's the case of like, you know yeah. that they know that you know. Yeah, yeah and now yeah. you're yeah. leaking the data and the next time you get Twitch Yumi, they're gonna walk up to lane because they're gonna think that you're going mid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and now you might, now Ooh. they're not gonna show if who you're knows, going to mid. Who knows, next time I might just kill the enemy top lane alone and swap. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, lane swap. You can see like <laughs> their, their right first now. game of playoffs, like the enemy jungle's not buying refillable, he's buying a yeah. pink and putting it around mid just to make sure from bot side that you can't get ganked level one. Yeah, so I think I, 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 I'm in. Neon, Euphoria MVP for week seven. Um, credit to you, my Thank friend. You. Um, I think, I don't want to, and again, shout out to Flacket. Great week, oh, yeah. great Draven game. This guy was smurfing on his Draven. Absolutely smurfing, absolutely popping off. Um, so credit to him and credit to G2 for finding the 2-0. But this week it will be Neon. Um, and, you know, honestly, dude, well earned. I don't think you're getting Twitch Yumi again anytime soon. But, like, that game was sick. Actually, Silver games are boring you, as you, hell to watch. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, I like you I do know. your job, you They're push boring hard. To play too. Yeah, but like you, you you've know, been riding high on the OPs. Zeri, severe, severe Twitch. You're you're feeling pretty I good mean, on the bot lane chaps. I, I do my meta research. I'll be honest with you. I do my homework. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a good student. You do your homework. You're getting those A pluses. Um, yeah, no, fantastic week. And then of course, yeah, flat, shout out to Flackit. I think uh, the big thing for Flackit is like um, G2 finally fixed their fixed. I don't want to say fixed, but they always had early game mistakes. Uh, but this time, the early game was a lot cleaner, a lot better, a lot stronger. And they looked a lot more like yeah. decisive in how and, they're approaching it. And that consistency is going to be important to track because when we, again, we spoke to Yankos before, he was like, early game's the issue. Next week, early game was fixed. The week after that, early game was bad again. Um, but I like that we're seeing a little bit of, um, we're seeing more than one style when it comes to G2 drafting, a little bit at least, where you've got these more Sivir, bunch of divers kind of composition. Then you got this Draven, much more early game focused. Mm. I like it. It shows to me that G2 have a lot of faith in Flacid, which is what I want to see going into playoffs because I, I can't imagine another playoffs run where they just get like Jarvan, Orn, Ari yeah. every single I mean, game. I just don't think teams are going to let that happen. Honestly, the fact that they can just pick Draven on one to now kind of puts them in like a way better position heading into the Super Week because now there's just so many threats in the draft when you're going against G2 that you have to consider that like uh, how do you actually win the draft at that point you know mm. yeah well, like, really how, how do you how do you draft well you know because they've shown that they can do these things and that makes them to me like a more scary opponent to face it's true they can like one two everything yeah. they can one two draven <laughs> silas I feel bad Talia, like, on the one hand we've Gwen. got uh g2 who are first picking this stuff and it's working and on the other hand you have rogue who like have been trying all this stuff and it's just failing yeah, it's just and it's failing. like g2 are just like clearly right now trying yeah. they're both trying to like show us more and rogues have just like fallen back on their face mm. so many times but we'll yeah. see how it works um one, i would love to use the rest of the time neon to talk to you about misfits and kind yeah. of this team in this whole situation because it's it's a weird situation that you guys are in and despite the knowledge that like this team is going to be gone next year you guys bring in zanzara 
you start popping off. You're looking great. You already told us the team atmosphere is is good. Um, what is the focus? What is the ambition for you guys? Are you guys taking it one game at a time? Is there like an overarching goal? Do you guys feel like this is like the Michael Jordan yeah. last dance one more time? We got to make it work. Like what's the so, vibe? So first of all, I just kind of want to address the situation and I kind of want to say that it's honestly like up. Um, not really for me, but for some of my teammates, I have yeah. like rookies who to me, and they were on like longer contracts, right? Yeah. And to just like be playing your split and then be screaming and then just like learn in between the screams that like you don't have a job next year, kind of. It's like during screams. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was like we finished the scream game. I like look at my DMs and someone messaged me this like rumor leak. Is it like misses being sold? And the next thing that happens, like the coaching staff comes like, uh, yeah, guys, misses just told us we're being sold, et cetera, et cetera. I don't feel like you should be as a player mm-hmm. who thinks that who shouldn't like who thinks that they're not worrying about their job just yet yeah should have to like experience losing their job at a split like this right like during the split like this yeah yeah so um that was like not to me because um i mean i've been in a very similar situation before mm-hmm. and um who knows if i would have been with misses next split but to my players i think uh it was a big shock and uh, props to them for like handling it well and yeah. not like uh letting themselves be affected by it mm. yeah and uh yeah uh, zanzara honestly uh was uh, way better of a change than i expected um as i said he gives us a lot of room in draft because his champions are really good in the meta now makes it very easy for us to draft makes it very easy for us to play the style that we want makes it very easy for me and vito to carry because he's so sacrificial uh in his own gameplay just for his teammates to be ahead so we've kind of found ourselves a really good identity right now Mm. and uh yeah it's it's been a it's been a right how's the growth with irrelevant been as well because like he's a one of the players that we don't really talk about much on misfits it's and, always and the... he's one of those players that i think misfits um admitted and keep remember that the org decision the coaching staff made this decision to sign him for an extended period of time mm. you can obviously gtd's out there but um no, without knowing this information but this is a clearly a guy that they wanted to invest in for a longer period of time and so yeah talking about yeah the growth, i mean it's important uh so just like any rookie you never really know what to expect of them right mm-hmm. yeah and i think the irrelevant experiment has tremendously worked out i think this guy is really good and should be in the lec because i have i have seen him grow as a player and he has grown very fast as a rookie um he's doing really well against anyone he can hold his ground against anyone and it's just been like very interesting to see how how fast a player can develop because like to me when i see a rookie it's like i don't expect them to be good in their first year i, I don't expect that because that's just not how it works right yeah but there are there are outliers and I, I think he's one of them i think i think he's doing very 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 great for his first year and like yeah big props to him i think he's like underappreciated like the kind of kind mm-hmm. of like the unsung hero of misfits right now yeah, is he is he the kind of person who's like really open minded and is like taking in feedback like a sponge, or does he have a little bit of like an ego where he's like, "No, nah, um, pick me this match up." <laughs> no, he doesn't really have an ego. He's like a uh, very nice and chill guy to work with. So uh, I'm I'm just like happy for him, and I'm like low key surprised that he was as good as he's as good as he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's tough, right? You never know with a new org coming in what their strategy is going to be. I think like BDS is a great example where people expected them to come in and just like fall out and like immortals themselves up a super team and obviously they went for a very different approach um super team a lot of super teams in europe these yeah, days yeah i mean like people really love to yeah i don't know that's a bigger discussion um anyway so we'll see what um obviously heretics want to do and like 
I think the other cool thing about this is that um, you, for you and VTO, not the, not the sale or any part of that, but for Misfits, right? And specifically for you and VTO, it feels like um, you guys are like fighting really hard um, as like the primary carries. And everyone can see you're the guys are the primary carries of this team to like solidify yourself in that discussion for like um, generate like a generation of LEC talent and like locking yourselves in that shortlist. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's so cool because I look at the teams around you that you are beating that have, you know, bigger names like these, you know, Vitality, these Fnatic, these super teams that you guys are outperforming. These teams you're going toe to toe with who have these big, huge historic names. And like a lot of people look at looked at VTO and said, hey, this guy's great. He's like the next European mid lane talent, but he wasn't there yet. And people looked at you like, oh, you're like solid, maybe middle of the pack, maybe rising star AD carry. And I think the fact that you're able to put up such fantastic results um, so consistently these last few weeks and hopefully for the rest of the split for your guys' sake, um, I think it's really cool because you're basically just watching. I'm, we're watching you force your way into the discussion for top European players. Not because like you were on a good team for one split where you like, or on a legendary team like G2 or Fnatic where you just instantly become a part of the discussion based on the caliber of you know organization mm. that you were playing for. But you guys are literally like pushing through the line to be like, look at me, you yeah. know, like look yeah. at what we're doing. And I think that that is my favorite part about the Misfit story is like, one, obviously there's a lot of tension around it being like the last split, blah, blah, blah. But it's just the way that you guys are like pushing yourself into the conversation for top players in your respective position. Yeah, I mean, I think throughout my career and like here on Misfits, we've all kind of like considered ourselves as like the underdogs in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of the competition. And it's like the role that, or like it's like the role that I believe I was like set to play here is like, I like being the underdog, right? Because yeah. it's just like, if people assume that like, you're not the best or you're bad and then you win it's like they're like wait how, how is this possible you know and i i kind of i kind of like that because i i know where i'm at skill wise mm-hmm. and i know that i can beat these teams and i am happy that with misfits i can finally show it and with like the rest of my team so I, it makes me really happy that we're doing so good do you feel uh out of curiosity do you feel like you and vto have pressure on your shoulders because around you you have like a rookie top laner in his rookie split a rookie support in his rookie year, a jungler that's just been moved up from the Athena League. Do you and VTO kind of take the reins more or like direct more in scrims or kind of have more of a voice in the team? Yeah, I think currently like me and VTO have like probably the most voice when it like comes to like the direction that we want to the game to be played in. Hmm. And I think we both feel like responsibility and the weight on our shoulders to not only like kind of like guide our teammates, but also like be there and be the carries mm-hmm. that they need. And I, I think it's been working out really well for us. It's crazy, isn't it? To just think about it because they're t- you're, you guys are tied in a position with Vitality, which is now the amount of God, God knows like how many achievements that team has from the players alone. Yeah, individual players. Individuals. I mean, you got a world uh, champion in you got, people. You know, you I can, mean, that, and that one's, to be fair, that one's like a little bit, yeah. you know, like sub whatever. But still, it is an achievement. It matters. G2, who just won the split and went to MSI. Rogue, who are like the most consistent team in a regular season. And then Misfits, who have a rookie top, a rookie year support. You and VTO next to Zanzara, who was last place, last split, and then moved to the ERLs. They're tied with them and beating them. Yeah. And like... And I, but the part that, like, yeah. the thing that makes this really cool to me actually is the fact that, like, for you and VTO especially, and again, I just love the story, so I'm gonna talk about it too much, but, like, it's not like a breakout Mad Lions, El Yoya, Kaiser, like, we've, like, found the magic formula. And credit to, obviously, Mad coaching staff and those players to make that happen. That is still a great achievement. I don't wanna take it from them, but, like, you've, you had been around. Yeah. You had been around and you had been on, like, 
you know, anywhere from middling to like pretty starting good teams, you know, starting yeah. from UOL to Schalke, like, and you're very rarely do we see players in like the middle of their career, I guess, let's just say you're in the middle of your career, like really, really rise up. Like that doesn't happen very much. Usually like you come out swinging or you join like a great org and that's how like you rise. But you are like, you are on a, a middle of the pack org that you have. Ah, oh, God, I love it. I love it. It's too good. I'm sorry. The yeah. narratives are just too good. I mean, Storylines. I mean, basically, uh, I was in a position where, at least I felt like I was in a position where if I don't do good this year, I'm not going to be in the LEC anymore. Just because like I've always kind of been there and I've always yeah. like kind of been doing fine. So like to me, I said like, kid, I'm just like going to go in. If I fail, I'm out anyway. And if I succeed, I'll finally be able to like prove to people what I'm worth. Simply because like not everyone gets the luck to like start their career on like a top team. Like yeah. there are people True. who have had that luck and... Yeah, I don't think I've been one of them. I think I've made some like questionable decisions of like which team I joined back in the past, and it's mm -hmm. like affected me. And like this is like all that I wanted to do. This split is just like to show off that I can compete with the best, and I could easily be on the top team. And that's just kind of the message that I want to leave this split. Oh yeah, dude. True. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of rookie players, especially like in ERLs. I mean, I've been there. You've been there. It's like the second you get that one LEC offer. No matter what team it is, sometimes it's not a top team. You just jump on it and you grab it. And sometimes yeah. you're jumping onto a sinking ship and you yeah. can't really bail out the water. And then it just looks like that's it. As soon as the ship sinks, you're back to where you started. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of a lot of players do fall into that trap. I mean, and, I, I, uh, I have a big history on being the guy who jumps on the drowning ship. <laughs> I wasn't going to I jumped the joke. unicorns of love drowning <laughs> ship. I joined the Schalke drowning, drowning ship and I did join like the Misfits drowning ship back in the days after the super team so I felt like get I've... this man a ship yeah <laughs> where's Captain Jack Sparrow <laughs> oh man oh, yeah that's man. tough because yeah UOL went out Schalke went out yeah you just <laughs> yeah and also also to like uh you mentioned Mad Lounge and their coaching staff right yeah I think the Misfits coaching staff has played a big part in like our success with the rookies and I, I don't think we've been in, we would have been in the same position without them. Yeah. And like that's the thing. Like when you have rookies, like I feel like a lot of teams just get a rookie and they just like kind of like leave him there, you know, and they like don't take care of them outside of the game. And I think what Misfits has done well, uh, we actually have a lot of staff by the way. Uh, what they have done well is that they have made sure that these rookies feel very good in like their positions that they're in and that they're like primed for success, right? Because. Yeah. Like the thing that you don't know with rookies is like how how did how do they react to stress? How do they react to this very competitive environment? You know, uh, how do you provide the emotional support that they need and like just like in general take yeah. care of their well being? And I think Misfits has done a great job at like facilitating all these things so that my rookies can perform to their levels in like their first year of playing even. And I love that. Honestly. And I just want to say, if you are a team, there's a lot of team managers out there who probably look more at public opinion than they should. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're listening to this podcast and you're a team manager, you're the person involved in hiring decisions in esports, I really encourage you to look at the people at the Misfits organization. Obviously, Heretics is the first port of call. But any team out there, LEC, LCS, opportunities for these people, because like you giving that praise in the spite of it is, it is a big deal. And obviously, you don't have to say that kind of stuff. So when people do say it, I want to make sure that it sticks because it is so easy to have coaching staff and people behind the scenes or rookie players in the case of irrelevant slip through the cracks when they could be Mercy and Mercy to Mercy to and they could be um, big talent in the future. And I'm not saying you should just blindly take my word for it. I'm saying you should look at these players. You should talk to the people that they've worked with. You should talk to the people around them about these players because it would be a tragedy to me if an org that has done so much 
with a roster that from the outside probably isn't like the big bucks roster. I don't know. I don't have those numbers. I'm not sure. It's um, <laughs> to, to like to have it then um, to have so many of these pieces then um, slip through the cracks. That would yeah, that it would, would, it would just be so unfortunate. It just happens yeah. too often with whatever it is, players, coaches, stuff, whatever it may be. It's like yeah. how many trophies are in your cabinet? You know, <laughs> what's how many cheap? trophies what's in the, the cabinet? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. your what's your CSD at 15? Oh, it's positive. <laughs> oh, welcome. Yeah. Buddy. And obviously not everybody's <laughs> like that. But I like I think that you know obviously public yeah, no. public. Yeah perception does carry a weight and not that public perception is against misfits but just making sure that we're doing our part to make it clear that this is like due diligence a, a huge team effort and it's like these and people deserve their deserve their chance their interview their i don't know research whatever you want to call it they the deserve that shot it's true though uh yeah so shifting away from that because i don't want to want to stay in that area for too long looking forward um specifically this next week you guys need to win basically like one game to 100% lock things. You, you could win three games and maybe lock world. world yeah, maybe this is the time. This is Don't t- think about it. It's but so crazy. I can't even allow myself to think about it. It's, yeah. that, it, it, it's that level of crazy. I, don't, I think that's one of those things where it's like, it's far-fetched, possible, but not worth stressing about and putting pressure on yourself yeah, to exactly. achieve. It's fine to have in the back of your mind, but like saying, you know, if you're going to a pre-game speech, it's like, guys, if we win this game and we win the next one, next one, we're going to go to world. It's like, okay, calm mm-hmm. down, buddy. Like, yeah, yeah. like, let's Honestly, let's beat let's beat bds first and then we'll talk I, about worlds i think i think i would have been better off not knowing that the scenario is possible because what it does to me just creates like additional pressure you know yeah an additional like thing to stress out about and feel bad about if you don't uh, make it happen i think it's one of those things where you just have to figure out a way to like just tune it out of your head by where you are now and what you've achieved so far um but yeah looking ahead you've got you've got bds you've got g2 you've got Fnatic. Saturday, Sunday, definitely a lot harder. The Friday is like a, a quote-unquote warm-up, but I wouldn't want to say that because then you XL that, just you lost said, to BDS. I mean, also, we said this, Alfari we literally said every like, person oh, yeah, who's come Astralis on this podcast easy, after yeah. a good week has then immediately accepted... Because Yankos came after a bad week, then he had a good week. Alfari yeah. came off after a good week, and we were talking about how great his team was, and they immediately... Lost to Astralis. They literally said on the podcast, I don't want to say anything because we're going to... And then he lost anyway. So <laughs> wait, like, wait, is this like an actual curse here? It's not an actual yeah. curse. You pro players are so superstitious. It's not an actual curse. I'm just saying don't disrespect it with, BDS. It starts with BDS. Just don't disrespect BDS. I can't, Man, okay, if can't it, tell if pros there's go, a curse. No one will if, ever come on the podcast again. If we go 0-3 this week and we don't make playoffs... I don't think you guys are ever getting another guest. Sorry. Oh never coming on Euphoria again. <laughs> so if you're wondering in summer, in spring next year, why it's just me and Dracos for an entire season. Someone wants it's to calculate pro player win rate in the week following their Euphoria appearance. Please yeah, that's don't, actually a good idea. Someone's going to do it, so I might as well ask for it, and then I can pretend. Like I feel like it's point. definitely negative. Shut Because uh, it's definitely negative. <laughs> You'll like be fine. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> Oh, all right. Um, one win at a time. Any any thoughts coming into this week of competition? Any thoughts on on last week of the LEC that you want to get out there before we wrap up for the day, Mister Neon? Uh, any thoughts? I mean, literally, you could go any direction you want, brother. It, 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 I don't, I don't know, man. Like when I look at the standings, this is like not what I had envisioned going into the split. Like honestly, at one point, this split, like when we, st- I think we started at like zero four, and last year i th- i thought it was gonna be the exact same like last year in spring mm-hmm. i finished like top four or top three with chalke looking really good then yeah that sal- roster that was when abba was uh, before abba left for 100 yeah teams, yeah? yeah then suddenly there's changes the org is starting to get sold we we make changes boom last place unavailable fact for the off season and this split it was looking like the exact same and i was like so mentally 
falling into that same thought pattern. I was like thinking like, oh, it's all the same thing again. I was like starting to feel really bad about it, right? Yeah. And to like then bring us up to this point where we go basically from zero four to nine six in this level of com competition, like I'm still like mind blown about it. And to even think that I might be three games away from Worlds. No, don't think about Shut it. It's like the no, craziest no, narrative no, don't ever. Think about it. It is the don't think about it. And listen, and listen, and I've been for like crazy narratives, okay? I've been on the Schalke Miracle Run, right? Yeah. And I think this is even crazier. So like- It sounds like your career and your history of career is like extremely low lows, but extremely high highs. And there's of. no middle ground. Because like, you're right, you started off 0-4, you've been 9-2 in your last 11 games. You yeah, know, like Schalke, kind of, Miracle Run. UOL, Misfits, uh, Schalke selling spots. I was not talking about UOL. Was, was, yeah, was, was. I mean, I, I think I have like, it's a roller coaster, like Mark. It's, it's never been stable. And, and <laughs> the only thing that I don't like about that is that it implies that following, that I'm on a high right now, that it follows a low, low, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. The stonks uh, are going to go down eventually. Yeah. But yeah. hopefully it's not now. Hopefully. Not this split. Hopefully, it, hopefully the high hasn't reached its peak yet. And hopefully the Hold. peak is world. How, Don't sell. Yeah, how high can you go? <laughs> There's the no wor world isn't on the table yet. Let's just get let's let's see how high you can finish in playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. I, I, I love like, the idea that like, we just don't tell a pro. There's like a guy who's like literally never watched competitive league in his life, and we just don't tell him worlds exists because we don't want to let it go to his head. It's like, like playoffs yeah. don't exist either. Playoffs don't exist. You, you just regular season. season. Oh, you now playoffs. you can play playoffs. It's like, what's playoffs? <laughs> oh, that's You're so like, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, now you may what, what's worlds? It's just a group stage. It's just a group stage. Quarters, this is the finals. <laughs> Protecting pros from themselves by just never teaching them how the competitive ecosystem works. That's it's true, because then they can never think about it. And it would they, be, a they cool, be a cool experiment. Would, would have worked on me if you told me about um, it. Yeah, so coming up this week, we'll just talk about Friday because there's a whole mess of a week. It's a super week, three days back-to-back. -back. BDS versus Misfits, big game for Misfits to lock. Um, Vitality, SK, Rogue, Excel, similar positions. Bigger for Excel as they're fighting to claw in. Fnatic Astralis, again, very important. Magi 2, the big banger for the top of the table. See, you can come out on that one, see if G2 it's, can tie them up. It's just basically watch every Astralis game. If they beat Fnatic, keep watching them. If they beat Mad, oh my god. Uh, you know, watch the XL game if they beat Rogue. Watch the Fnatic uh, yeah, hype train if they can keep winning. That's the three teams you need once, to really watch. Once teams have locked, we'll talk more about seeding. But until we've locked a top six, every Fnatic, Astralis, and or XL game is a kind of a must-watch. It's must everything. Watch. Yep. It's, it's everything, really. Um, um, I don't know what the head-to-head's like between these teams, you know. But well, if, I don't want to. We'll figure it out for this weekend. Yeah. beats Rogue and Fnatic beats Astralis, then it's a two-horse race, you know. Uh, yep. But if XL lose and Astralis win, then... Is it Astralis? Is it just Astralis? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, the more I think about it, the more I think it might just be Astralis, which is, I don't know, we'll find out. Tell us who you think is going to make the top three at home. This has been Euphoria Pool Season 10, Episode 8. Neon, dude, thanks again so much for being here. It's bright and thanks early. You woke up so early to be here. I love the shirt as well. Misfits colors, but also Rick and Morty. <laughs> Bam. Damn, I love Rick and Morty. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, this has been Episode 8. We'll see you guys later.